I feel thankful right now for a couple of reasons. One is that, isn't it just awesome having these videos that have to read all the hard Bible names instead of me? So uh, Derek did an awesome job of getting through some pretty tricky names there, so I'm thankful for that, but also just the chance to preach. This is my second time uh, since we've been back together preaching. The first time I went away and my throat was so hoarse, because <laughs> I guess speaking to a camera isn't the same as, uh, as standing here before you. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm thankful at least to be able to share God's Word uh, this morning. Oh, there we go. One of the things that happens on Remembrance Sunday, lots of things happen, of course, on this day, but one of those things is that we reflect back on the scale and the horrors of the enemy that was faced, particularly in the the two world wars. And though we we do that in in light of a victory that was won, as we remember back on on the enemy that was faced, it helps us remember that there are many conflicts still ongoing in the world. And as we do that, we consider the various remaining threats that would seek to to come against us and to to stop us from enjoying the freedom that was won in those uh, decisive victories in the world wars many decades ago. In the Christian life, we live every day with a similar posture. We in the Christian life look back repeatedly, day after day, to a remarkable victory. The victory of the cross of Jesus Christ. Even more costly than the victory that was won in the world wars. An even more decisive victory. An even greater freedom secured through the cross of Christ. And as we look back and remember, and as we live in light of that victory... It, it causes us again to reflect on the enemy that was faced and the enemy that was defeated. And as we do that, we are reminded that there are still attacks that come at us today. There are still enemies that we face today. There are still struggles that we have today. And we remember that many conflicts that we feel caught up in, as I hope to, to show this morning. What we see in our passage today is Nehemiah dealing with multiple attacks that come at him as he lives for God. So we are mainly going to look, the the, the sort of allotted passage today is Nehemiah 6 and 7, but we are actually mainly going to focus in chapter 6. And in this chapter, Nehemiah is bombarded by so many different attempts to pull him away from his devotion to God and his commitment to following after the work that God had called him to. And I think we can relate to so many aspects of this chapter, both in terms of what Nehemiah encounters, but also hopefully, I pray, in the way that he responds and how we might respond to the challenges that come at us in life. So firstly, if we consider the challenges that Nehemiah faces, I want to share three different aspects of the attacks that he faces and that we, I think, face day by day. So firstly, if you look at chapter 6, verse 1, you can find that in your, in your app, or if you have a Bible, you can open it there. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. We encounter in verse 1 what I am going to call the not-again enemies, or the not-them-again enemies. Because let's just read it. It says, Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem 
the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had, and then we'll, we'll go on to look at, at what they had heard and what they were upset about. But I want to stop here, because if you have been journeying with us through these messages through Nehemiah, you will know why I'm calling these three guys, Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, I'm calling them the not-them-again enemies. Let me give you a whistle-stop tour of these guys' involvement in the book of Nehemiah. So I'm going to start in chapter 2 and verse 10. That's where they kind of first pop up. And uh, I'm just going to move quickly. We're not going to have time to look at the context of all these bits, but you'll get a sense of why I'm doing this. Chapter 2, verse 10. When Sanballat and Tobiah heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Jump down to verse 19 of chapter 2. When Sambalit and Tobiah and Geshem heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you are doing? Go forward a little bit more to, to verse 1 of chapter 4. Now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Jump down a couple of verses. By the way, these are almost the entirety. Of whenever these guys are mentioned, I'm reading almost every verse here. Verse 3, Tobiah was beside him, and he said, yes, what they are building. If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. I mean, it's so childish. It's so petty the way that he's making fun of this building, this wall that they are building. Look at verse 7 of chapter 4. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, when they heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And then we get to chapter 6, and we've already read verse 1, where they hear of something again. And we're going to see in this chapter multiple fresh attempts that they make to get at Nehemiah. And there's this sense, as these guys come up time and time again, it's like, oh, not them again. Not them again. Now, as we think about some of the enemies that we face, I think we all face enemies like this. Attacks, issues, struggles that seem to show up in our lives again and again. And I just want to invite you in the presence of the Holy Spirit to consider this morning, what are those things in your life that come to you again and again and seek to pull you away from God, to pull you away from what God wants for you, to pull you away from His kingdom work? Here it was three people. For you, it, it might be people, but I don't necessarily want to just assume that. I want to sort of invite you to, to consider things more deeply. Look within and ask, what are the circumstances that you sometimes find yourself in again and again, which you know are not helpful for your walk with God? What are the repeated inner voices that you hear that torment you, that accuse you, that keep you from living in your identity in Christ? What are the behavior patterns that you find yourself in over and over again? What, is a, maybe, what has caused a bitterness that might have grown in you over many times? I don't know what it might be for you, but we must all be aware of these types of enemies. I think we all face them. They're different for all of us. And these sorts of attacks 
come to us, often so sneakily and often in the sort of wearisome way that Sanballat and Tobiah and company show up. I mean, did you spot the way that they operated again and again through these chapters? It says, when Sanballat and Tobiah heard this, they did that. And when they heard this other thing, they used that to get at someone. And you get this picture of these people just sort of creeping around, just with sort of no purpose apart from to try and listen to things and to use things against the people of God to stop what God was doing in that day. And this is how our, this is how our enemies often come at us, almost creeping around, seeking to find some way to, to use that against us, to throw us off track. What are your, not them again, not that again, not this voice again, not this struggle again. Issues, enemies that you need to be conscious of. Look secondly at how they operate. We see that their attacks are repeated and amplifying. In verse 2 of chapter 6, Sambala and Geshem attempt to trick Nehemiah. Come and meet together, they say. It starts fairly, fairly benign or so it would seem. But it says at the end of verse 2 that Nehemiah knows that they were out to do him harm. So in verse 3, Nehemiah stands firm against this trick that they come at him with. So let's look at verse 4 now, what happens after that. So it says, they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambalit for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. Now, we'll get to this letter in just a moment, but what I want you to see just now is that these repeated attempts to get after Nehemiah. Come and, and leave this life with God. Give up on this work that God is calling you to over and over again. This is, this is part of what I mean by not again attacks that come our way. It's not just that they're the, the same issues, the same types of confrontations that come at us, but it's the fact that they're repeated over and over and over again. But it's not just that they're repeated, they actually amplify. It starts with, hey, Nehemiah, come hang out with us. He doesn't respond. So they repeat that three more times, and then uh, from verse 5, they, they try a different way to get at Nehemiah. There's this open letter, which again is sneaky, right? What are they doing in that? They're trying to draw others in to their schemes, an open letter. Um, and then let's read from verse 6 of chapter 6. It says, in this letter it was written, it is reported among the nations. Again, see what they're doing? It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall, and according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now, Nehemiah, let us come and take counsel together. Hey, hey, Nehemiah, some people are talking. Some people are talking about your dodgy motives and your ambitions. So, hey, Nehemiah, let's come and talk together. Let's make a plan to get through this. But it doesn't work. 
Nehemiah is on to them. He does not fall for it. So what happens? Repeated attacks, and now the attack will amplify even further. In verse 10, we find that Nehemiah's enemies have hired someone who tells Nehemiah, hey, people are out to kill you. And again, they act like they want to help to trick Nehemiah into sinning against God. The point is this. Our not-them-again enemies come at us time after time, and their attacks become more and more sinister. How often we see this as people fall away from God. It very rarely happens that someone falls off a cliff edge in terms of their relationship with God. It's little by little stepping away from the God that they love, from the work that God has called them to, as these attacks of the enemy are repeated and amplifying over time. So their attacks are repeated, become more sinister, and finally, the nature of these attacks, they are rooted in lies that would provoke fear and abandonment of God. This is what Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem are up to, lie after lie, to provoke fear in Nehemiah so that he will give up on the work that God has called him to. Listen to his response after one of these attacks that comes at him. Look at verse 8 of chapter 6. Then I sent to him saying, this is his response to this letter, no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind, for they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work. It will not be done. And then we see the same response in verse 13. For this purpose he was hired by these enemies, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Lies that aim to lead Nehemiah into fear. It says again in verse 14, they wanted to make me afraid. And this is, we need to be aware of this. This is something that all followers of Jesus will experience. The devil, Jesus said, is a liar. And he is the father of lies. And we know from Genesis chapter 3 that he's crafty. He'll try any trick to stop folk from trusting in God, to make them afraid so that they give up entering into his work. So dear friends, as we think about these attacks that came at Nehemiah, we need to consider what are the attacks that come at us? What are the attacks that come at you? How have you seen these repeating and growing in intensity? What lies are you listening to just now? I think in this season of life, which has been so mixed up, and especially as we have not been able to fully enter in to the God-ordained rhythms of connection with Him that He has put in place, we need to be aware of the attacks that we face. And we need to pray for our church, because I think our church is going to look possibly quite different coming out of this pandemic than it did going in. We trust God in all of that, but we do need to be aware that Satan will be at work. Now, look at Nehemiah's response to these attacks that come. The first thing is is very simple to say, but not easy to do. 
he resisted. He just resisted these attacks. Over and over again, Nehemiah did not give in to the attacks that came his way. Between verses 1 and 11, there are six times that Nehemiah resists the attempts to pull him away from God and his work. Six times where he says, no, I will not give up on this God I love, on this God who is inviting me to share in the good work that he wants me to do. And an, an important question for us to consider, it's not the fundamental ultimate question, we'll come to that in just a moment, but an important question for us to consider as we think about the attacks that come at us is, will we resolve to stand firm when the attacks of these not-them-again enemies come at us? I, I don't know about you, but, but in my Christian life, you come across different people, and every so often you come across someone who it is clear in surrendering themselves before God day by day, they are so committed to resolving to stand firm against the attacks of the evil one. And we need to ask that question. It's not that we will get this right perfectly, but what is our, our heart aim in this? Will we resolve to stand firm? We, we, we must, right? This is why Jesus taught us to pray every single day. Lead us not into temptation. I love that it doesn't even say, lead us not into sin. So Jesus says, no, no, pray not to be led even into temptation so you don't get near to that place of sin. This is why the apostle Paul says, put to death. He writes to the church, he says, you guys put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is why James writes, and he says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil. And then the wonderful promise after that, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Friends, may we resist, may we have that heart, you know, given to us by the Spirit of God that we would resist the attacks that come at us. This is what Nehemiah did. But if you're anything like me, you want to know, how? How did he do that? Because I don't find it easy. Well, a couple of things. He was confident in what God had called him to. There's a sort of awesome confidence that we see in Nehemiah here. And there's a couple of ways in this passage that just makes me smile a little bit how he engages with these enemies. Um, and it points to one way that we can deal with these attacks. As we think about sort of suiting up and, and getting ready to deal with these issues that come at us. I'll share with you the couple of moments that make me smile. I'll see, I, I won't be able to tell if you're smiling either, apart from Shona. Her mask has a nice smiley face on the front of it. So anyway, look at verse 1. Uh, we're told that these enemies in verse 1 heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it. And then I just love the little parenthesis here. Although up to that time, I had not set up the doors in the gates. <laughs> there is no good reason to throw in that little parenthesis apart from Nehemiah wants to know that these enemies had blown it. They are panicked because the wall is complete and secure. And Nehemiah just wants us to know, yeah, to be honest, they needn't have worried. They actually could have come in if they'd wanted to because the gates weren't even in place yet. I love that that's added in there. He's just making a mockery of these enemies that are coming at him. And there's a similar moment in verse 3. So Samballat and company have tried to trap Nehemiah, asking him to meet. And now uh, Nehemiah, you know, as he responds to their invitation to come and meet with them, what could he say? Well, he could just say, sorry, guys, I can't make it. But look how Nehemiah responds. 
And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down to you. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? This is some top level trolling from Nehemiah because he's saying, I am not going to fall into your trap. And the very reason I'm going to give as to why I'm not going to fall into your trap is for the very reason that you've set the trap up in the first place. He said, I'm doing a great work, guys. Sorry, I can't come and be with you. Now, sometimes we need this kind of attitude when dealing with sin. Sometimes we need to have this sort of attitude. When we discover our confidence in God, we can increasingly confidently face into whatever attacks come our way. I'll tell you who's great at this. Uh, The 16th century church reformer, Martin Luther. He has some outrageous quotes, which some of them are too inappropriate to even share here this morning on these sorts of topics. But here's one I can just share with you. This is what he wrote. He says this, I often laugh at Satan, and there is nothing that makes him so angry as when I attack him to his face and tell him that through God, I am more than a match for him. Love it. We need a bit of that. This is like Nehemiah in this chapter, never giving in, never faltering, and also slightly scoffing at the enemy along the way. He was confident in the work that God had called him to. He knew it was a great work, and he knew it was a great God that had called him to it. And we need to ask ourselves this question, do we know that we are called to a great work from this God of ours? It is easy to lose sight of this, right? But God is bringing his kingdom here on this earth, and he has invited us to share in that work of the kingdom of God coming in this heartbroken, messed up world. When we grasp that, it can give us great resolve when we feel under attack. And we have to keep doing this. We have to keep coming back to who God is and what he's doing. We have to keep lifting our eyes to see not just what is right before us day by day, but to see uh, what God is up to. Because ultimately, finally, as we come to a close now, the answer is not that Nehemiah had it all together or that he was confident in himself. And it's not that we can do that. But ultimately, what we see in this passage is Nehemiah depended on God. Depended on God. And we see a few glimpses of this in the passage that Nehemiah knew it wasn't about him, but he was reliant on God. Look at verse 9. We've read, it, we've read part of it already, but I didn't finish it. They wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. I love it. There's just a sign of dependence on God, confident at those coming at him, but in the quiet. Oh, God, I need you. Help me, God. Keep me strong in you. And this is so often the way, right? Again, if you have saints in your life that you look up to, 
who might seem to be confident in their relationship with God, if that is a true godly confidence, what you so often see is that though they might seem that way outwardly, there is running parallel alongside that an earnest, quiet, repeated coming to their knees before God, crying out for His help in their dependence on Him. It's what we see here. Uh, We see another glimpse of this in verse 11. Nehemiah has been scammed. He's been told to go and hide in the temple, but Nehemiah makes clear that he is in no place to go strolling in to the temple of God. He knows that that would be sin. That would be a sort of defiant act of, of his standing before God. He is making God to be big in that moment, and he's acknowledging that he is small in that moment. We get another glimpse of it in verse 14. Nehemiah calls for God to remember these enemies, remember these attacks that are coming at him. He, he wants justice to be done, but he knows that for justice to truly come, Nehemiah can't bring it about. He's reliant on God. He had to cry out to God for that. So we get these glimpses, but Nehemiah's ultimate hope when confronted by these enemies was to trust in the victory of God and to give God the glory for that. Look at verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. 52 days, which is incredible which you might think Nehemiah would get pretty chuffed about, but look what he highlights straight after that. Not his own achievement, but that this was God's work. Look at the second part of verse 16. For these nations around about him perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And then if you look at chapter 7 and verse 1, you see some roles that Nehemiah puts in place for the wall. What are the first roles that he wants to be uh, filled See, in verse 1, now, when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors, and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed. So these gatekeepers, it's different from just a guard. These were, this, was, this was a religious leadership position where they were making sure that God's law was going to be fulfilled. He made sure that they were in place. He made sure that the singers were in place so that the worship of God could continue. He made sure that the Levites were in place so that the presence of God could be known within the city of Jerusalem there. The point of all of this is Nehemiah is highlighting God is at the center God is at the center. Look at what God has done. And we've seen this since chapter one, his continual turning to God for help and God enabling this work. And no enemy was going to stand in the way of what God was going to do. And as we, dear friends, think about dealing with the enemies and attacks that come at us, this is the fundamental starting point and the fundamental ending point, recognizing our complete dependence on God and highlighting His finished work. And that is where we come back again, day by day, week by week, to the cross of Jesus Christ and His victory once for all against sin and death And then the wonderful cosmic yes and amen that was announced as Jesus rose again to resurrection life on the third day. This is our victory. 
and we rest on that, or ultimately we, we rest on nothing. It is as we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ that we have strength to resist the attacks of the enemy that come at us because he is a defeated foe because of what Christ has done. And in that, our confidence grows and we can find a renewed sense of hope and joy in the kingdom work that God is calling us to. Nehemiah faced many attacks as he sought to live for God. And I'm sorry to say, so will you. So do I. How will we respond? Don't let the deceiver come with his cheap, repeated tricks to bring you down. Don't give him any room. Look back and remember the victory of Christ. Thank him for it. Worship him for it. And let that victory empower you to confidently resist whatever attacks would come your way this week. For the sake of Christ and with the help of the Holy Spirit, may it be. Let's bow our heads and I just want to invite you just in the quiet, just to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you one area of attack that you have come under. And then just simply say, help me, God. Remember me, God. Father, we say with Nehemiah, oh God, strengthen our hands. Strengthen us to stand against the attacks of the evil one. Not in our strength. Not on our own. But on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ and reliant on the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that we share in your victory. Thank you that there is no question about that for any who are in Christ, who are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And we say thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Help us live in light of that, I pray. Strengthen us, protect us. And help us continue the work that you've called us to. With great liberty, and joy, and conviction, and confidence. For your sake I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.